Hey, Ding Dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast formerly about NBC's The Good Place and now about the Disney Plus series Loki. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, if you say something too nice to her, she'll blast you with a laser cannon. It's my sister, Marissa. Go on, get. <laughs> my husband never said a nice thing to me in my life. This episode slaps. Yeah, it was really good. I'm so excited it also to talk about conservatively it. Conservatively, cost $100 trillion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about this. I watched it on Wednesday and I watched I, it last night. We're recording I, on Saturday, everybody. And I texted Marissa and I was like, I'm six minutes into this Loki episode and it slaps. And she's like, I haven't watched it yet. I'm watching it on Friday. And I was like, girl, you better get to it. And then. Friday night, sure enough, I got a text. This Loki episode is off the chain. And I was like, yes, I can't wait. <laughs> um, before we jump into the awesome recap, some housekeeping up front. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. If you want to rate and review us based on our Loki episodes, uh, please do. Or our extensive back catalog if you are <laughs> just still stuck inside and looking for something to do. I don't necessarily recommend the first few episodes. We were we were still still getting our getting our sea legs. Yes, exactly. You can also follow and like us on Facebook. Uh, we have a group called The Good Play. Twitter, we are at The Good Play Pod, and you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail dot com. Yep, that's it. All right, or you could just you know text us, which is also I have text messages from your husband about this episode that we we will talk about at the end, but. <laughs> do you want to do the recap? Do you, yeah, I'm I? good. I just, cool. I just watched it last yeah, night. You're fresh. I am very fresh. So this episode is called Lamentus. I feel like it should be called Lamentus 1. I'm not sure why it's called Lamentus, but that's fine. Maybe it's like, it's the, you know, they're be, they're being like, well, it's a, it's a lamentation because they can't get off the planet, but also... Yeah, I think that's sort of the obvious. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So we have a cold open and we are at a bar... Where Lady Loki, can we just give her the name that she has later? Because it's sure. going to get annoying. So yeah. she, we find out later in the episode she goes by Sylvie. I don't think that's like a major spoiler or anything. So. It's the name of Enchantress. So they're kind of blending those characters, I think. Which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, so, so, okay. So if you remember from the last episode... They found, you know, there was a Minuteman who was taken hostage at the beginning, and then she turned up at the end at the Walmart at the end of the world saying, you know, <laughs> it's real, it's real, it's real, which I don't, I still don't think we fully know what she was talking about when she said it's real, but it's interesting to speculate about potentially. Yeah, I mean, maybe like Earth or her her life. Wait, that, that, oh, that, we're not talking about that yet. Nope, sorry. Er, er. Run it back. <laughs> I have no idea what that could be. Continue. So Sylvie and the the kidnapped Miniman are suddenly like in what looks like a totally normal bar, you know, in a very normal sort of girls night out situation. You know, they're drinking fruity cocktails. They're chilling. It's like, how long have we been best friends? Like, oh my God, forever. Ha ha ha. And then Sylvie starts injecting these weird questions into the conversation like oh how many people are guarding the timekeepers and all of a sudden the Minuteman she's kind of like is like wait what and then all of a sudden the scene changes it's still a bar but it's a different bar and Sylvie's like oh we're such good friends and you know how hey how, how are the timekeepers guarded and the Minuteman's like wait 
I know this place, but I don't know you. And she's like, oh, you're just tired. And then we kind of like zoom out and we see that this is inside the head of the kidnapped Minutemen where Sylvie is like standing there, you know, with her hands on uh, the Minuteman's face or neck or whatever. Yeah. And kind of doing her like green magic thing, which is all this like mental manipulation stuff. So it's right at the end. It's, it's, well, no, it's, it sort of happens in the middle of the time stream of episode two, because it's like, as she's getting the information she needs, you know, Loki and Mobius and everybody else shows up. Yeah, I want to I want to do a quick shout out to the the music that's playing at the beginning because it's a song called Demons by Haley Kiyoko and and uh we will talk about its significance later, but I was like, "Oh, this is a really fun song. It's a cool song, but it's also um, you know, got a little bit of of subtext <laughs> to oh, it." Oh, interesting. Okay, I don't know anything related about this. to this. Okay. Yeah. So that's the music in this episode was also fantastic. The beginning yeah. song, the end song, all the score in the middle is great. Yeah, so, it was really good. Yeah. So then we kind of go to the thing that happened at the end of episode two, which is Sylvie running out through a portal and Loki jumping right behind her. And it turns out that the place Sylvie has jumped to is the TVA, where there's like this, you know, like red alert going out over the broadcast. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody, all the Minutemen, go to your, go to your stations, get your weapons, go, 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 go. So Sylvie kind of fights her way through a bunch of Minutemen. She tries to mind control one of them, but of course her magic doesn't work at the TVA. So she just uh, mercs a bunch of people. That <laughs> just, fight scene was awesome. They it was just really went good. right into it. She it was, was like, really okay, good. I guess I'm murdering you with your own weapon now. <laughs> yes. So she's like kicking ass and taking names uh, at the TVA. And then Loki follows her back there and, you know, kind of follows her to fight her or to... It's not... Again, we don't know what Loki's real motivation here is, right? We just have no sense of his interiority again. But he's like, come on, like, come be my sidekick or like, tell me what's going on. And Sylvie's like, oh my God, get out of my way. (laughs) And... Then they're sort of grappling, and then Ravana Renslayer shows up, and it's like, oh god. So Ravana rushes them, but then Loki opens up a portal, and they, the two Lokis, sort of warp away. And I think, you know, we should assume maybe that the TVA has bigger fish to fry, but on the other hand, maybe not, right? <laughs> maybe not they're- if this is the person who, like, nuked time itself i don't think they have bigger fish to fry okay fair point (laughs) (laughs) they have bigger fish to fry than like the loki that we know and love but this other person sylvie yeah 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 yeah. so they like emerge in some sort of like bunker and they're fighting over the tempad which is the thing that i guess opens the portals to begin with right yeah i mean this is this is truly this episode's uh mcguffin yes for sure yeah So she grabs it and she wants to like send herself, I guess, back to the TVA. But there's like a little Miss Minutes graphic being like, oh, no, you're out of juice. So she's like, ugh. I I couldn't believe that this incredibly powerful thing is like, it needs like a battery recharge. Like, what is happening? So I will say just off the bat that, you know, and I and I didn't see any of this discourse personally but i have heard that there is some chatter on the internet like is this whole episode inside loki's head Mm. like 
did Sylvie actually manage to enchant Loki? And is this entire thing happening inside his head for reasons that we can't really see at this moment? Like, I'm inclined to say no. Same. I I got the sense that this was very real and very high stakes, you know, and it's hard for me to imagine why she would have let it play out the way she did if this is all under her control. And there's also a bit on the train where I think she falls asleep. Yeah. Where Sylvie falls asleep. So... Unless you were, it's like, oh, it's wheels within wheels. Like, Sylvie's pretending to fall asleep in the, you know, in the illusion. Illusion, Michael. (laughs) I mean, we used to, but we used to have these similar conversations about the capital D discourse about, about the good place place and how, oh, maybe this is all Michael's torture. And, you know, there are, there are people above him who are torturing him. And he's, this is all like, you know, smoke and mirrors to get him to improve and blah, blah, blah. And like, basically they address it in the show by having that one episode where Michael pours iced tea on Eleanor's head when she has that moment where she says, she's like, maybe you're not even real. And maybe this is all like just something for you. And there's like tentacle monsters who are, and then he just dumps the iced tea on her head. And I would say the same thing here. Like, Yeah, the it was all a dream ending is never satisfying. It's never satisfying. And I think particularly with this, you know, one of the things I loved about this episode is how well matched they are and how much she can't get the jump on him because they are so similar. So if it turns out that she was able to mind control him and all of this, all of these high stakes situations they were in in this episode don't actually mean anything i would be very disappointed so yeah i agree with you yeah i agree with you so so let's we're assuming from here on out that this stuff is all really happening in reality yeah so it does need to be recharged which is weird lol (laughs) (laughs) so you know it's it's sylvie's tempad so it has all of the apocalypses on it so she can go hide in them right and so he accidentally sent them to a place called Lamentus One in the year 2077, which is a moon whose planet is about to crash into it. And she's like, this is the worst apocalypse on the whole Tempad. And he's like, uh, sorry. My B. Yeah. So Loki has hidden the Tempad with magic. So Sylvie can't just kind of grab it off of him. But also it needs to be recharged. So they're kind of running through, well... So first she tries to mind control him and he's like, what are you doing? (laughs) That was my favorite. She's like putting her hands around his neck and he's like, can I help you? Yeah. So funny. (laughs) I laughed a lot in this episode. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, it's not going to work on me, lady. (laughs) So, you know, they kind of call a truce and then go running out of this bunker into the open air, which is where it's just raining meteors. And they're not even, I don't know what to call, astronomically, I don't know what to call chunks of a planet are falling onto you. Like, I don't, I don't know what that is, but <laughs> it's bad. I meteors is, is close accurate. enough. Yeah. So, you know, he's trying to get out of her and we don't really ever get a a clear answer to any of his questions in this whole episode you know sylvie plays things pretty close to the vest although another sidebar like i think we are going to get her full backstory because i saw basically a trailer for the rest of the season and you see like baby sylvie you know like a little girl you know who's nine looks about like nine years old being 
sort of cuffed by TVA agents or something. Oof. So, yeah. So <laughs> I think that we we are going to get Sylvie's story, you know, over the course of the show. But she does not tell us very much in this episode. Loki is really trying, like... What are you trying to do? Like, what is your whole deal? And, you know, he's like, are you really just going to kill the timekeepers and walk away from that power vacuum? And she just won't answer. Like, yeah, he doesn't she... buy it. He doesn't buy it that she is just there for only to wreak havoc and then walk away. Right. So they find this, like, trailer and Sylvie tries to, like, blow the door in and kind of go in because they're just looking for a power source for the tempad. But this woman, like laser cannons her away she's fine and then loki's like you know you can't just go barging in places and then he shapeshifts into the woman's husband and he's like it's been so long and i missed you and you're so beautiful and then she also laser cannons him hmm. and she's like you know my husband never said anything that nice in my whole life and you guys are devils and what do you want and and they're like where is everybody and she's like well they're down at the train station trying to get a ticket to get on the ark so Apparently, there's a spaceship that they're calling the Ark, appropriately enough, to try to get off this moon as it is being exploded by the neighboring planet, the planet that it orbits. And the whole episode is sort of a commentary on, like, capitalism and class (laughs) structures and all that, because she's so poor that she's not even trying. She knows she's about to die, and she's just like... Yeah, I'm obviously not getting on that train, so I might as well just, you know, die here in my home, you know, where I'm comfortable uh, under my own power, right? And then we get to the train, you know, Loki and Sylvie go to the train station because they're like, okay, we need to go to the Ark because the Ark is possibly a power source for the Tempad. Like, we're just gonna, you know, steal the power from this arc that's... So, Sylvie knows how this goes in reality. Yeah. Like, Loki's like, how does this go? And she's like, oh, like, the arc doesn't make it off the planet, right? So, so it's not like... Because I was sort of like, wait, I'm sorry, are you gonna steal power from something? And then that's gonna be, like, and you're gonna change time and all of a sudden this thing isn't gonna take off. But, like, it's destined to not ever get off the the moon in the first place so it's just really it's really rough this whole thing if you look at it through that lens is really hard because there's like parents with children you know screaming like let us on the train let us on the train you know we have to get on the ark like you can't just leave us here you know they're only giving tickets to the wealthy and it's bad (laughs) it's very snow piercer i i yes which i haven't seen because i don't I to have that feeling. <laughs> I hate that movie so much. It's supposed to be great. I did not enjoy it, but it is 100% a commentary on class and sort of having the the very, very wealthy, like just even just being on a train where like the very, very wealthy are being given like champagne and stuff and then there's right. all these it's people not a, who are it's not a horrific evacuation scenario where they're just sort of packing people like so if you read about when north and south korea were coming apart from each other in i guess the 50s don't mm-hmm. don't at yeah. me i'm sorry i don't exactly know the year but you just read about like you know caravans of people and like just shoving children onto the backs of trains and like you know people going on foot like it's not that right it yeah is... we're getting out of Saigon and stuff like that yeah 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 it is not that it is there is a super fancy train 
that is like a first ever you know it's like a uh old agatha christie story right situation yeah it's like it's like um the poirot death on what was that murder uh, on the orient express murder on the orient express it's like that type of dream yeah right it's not this you know oh my god this this scenario where people are just being packed on as much as they can be it is very much haves and have nots and it's rough yeah i mean just like last episode was very much about climate change right this episode's very much about yeah class and and capitalism so they get to the train station and obviously they use magic to get on board and sylvie's kind of like oh like you're pretty good at magic and Loki's like yeah my mom taught me and she was like an actual decent person and she's like are you sure She's your mother, and Loki's like, LOL, no, she's not. Is that a spoiler for you? I laughed so hard. <laughs> and she's like, no, I always knew I was adopted. He's like, they told you? Like, ugh. Like, I mean, they told me eventually, but like, ugh. <laughs> Which is yeah. pretty great. So, you know, he kind of shows her, like, little fireworks in his hand. This is his, his mom taught him. And, you know, Sylvie's saying how she had to teach herself magic and, you know, she's like let me demonstrate it on you he's like what so you can like it coax me to like jump off the train and like throw the temp pad back up at you like no thanks yeah i'm i'm set thank you yeah their their chemistry i mean we can talk about this more in discussion but i think their chemistry is fantastic so i want to just asterisk that and be like i was reading them as brother and sister because that's kind of functionally what they are i just mean they're I, like, I don't necessarily mean romantic chemistry, although, question mark. Yeah, but... my husband was like, ooh, yeah. there's sparks. And I was like, yeah. ugh, they're brother and sister. That's, I mean, basically, that's what they are. Yeah, your husband texted me, Loki's got hots for each other. <laughs> so. Ugh. <laughs> they are, <laughs> the way I read it is sort of like, they have the backstory of, Luke and Leia, but they have the banter of Han and Leia. So it's <laughs> nice. kind of a weird sitch. <laughs> they they talk about the woman in the trailer and they end up, you know, Sylvie's, you know, Sylvie says, oh, she loved her husband. And Loki's like, no, he she hated her husband. And Sylvie's like, love is hate. And Loki's like, oh, yeah, let me write that down. And- <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. He produces like a quill out of yes. the air. <laughs> yeah, we get a lot of Loki magic. It's pretty great. Yeah. And he's like trying to fish. Like, is there some? You know, do you basically do you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? And she's like, no. And like, what about you? Like, you're a prince. Shouldn't there be like a prince or princess for you? And he's like, he basically says like, I, I you have correctly read me as bisexual. I believe I am also correctly reading you as bisexual. <laughs> but no. <laughs> um, happy Pride, everyone. Loki yes. is gender fluid and uh, bisexual canon so <laughs> and sylvie's like love is mischief and loki's like no nah, i gotta workshop this so <laughs> so sylvie kind of they're they're trying to rest sylvie i think falls asleep yeah she, they, so they have a whole thing when they get on the train where he's like aren't you tired like you should go to sleep and she's like oh so you can like leave me here or whatever like she doesn't trust him enough to fall asleep and then I think that's supposed to be they have this conversation where he opens up about his mom and all that kind of stuff. And then she ends up I, I, I think it's supposed to be like, oh, she does tr- trust him enough, even if she doesn't decide to fall asleep, because it, it sort of seems like she falls asleep on accident. Yeah. Um, but when she wakes up, she wakes up. To, and I literally said, 
as it was like, you relax your way, I relax man. I was like, he's going to be drunkenly dancing. <laughs> like, that's how, that's the punchline for this. And it, in fact, was the punchline for this. He is drunk and he's singing in Asgardian. And the the chorus is like, when she sings, she sings, come home, right? Something when like she that, sings, yeah. she sings, come home. And he's no longer dressed up as a guard. And she kind of sees somebody eyeing him. And she's like, yo, like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, why are you so paranoid? And she says, this is maybe like the best line of the whole episode. Yeah, I agree. I guess it must have happened when I spent my entire life running from the omniscient fascists you work for. Yeah. Yeah, she gives him a lot of flag for basically being a lackey for the TVA. But he doesn't, like, understand what the TVA is, so it's not exactly fair. No, no. So Loki gives a whole metaphor speech about how love is a dagger, and then, (laughs) which you have in the notes, which I'm sure will be every emo teenager's away message. I don't think they have away messages anymore. I wrote that and I was like, I'm old, but it's... I'm still keeping this. (laughs) But then at the end of his metaphor, he's like, but when you try to grab it, you know, and then he makes it go away. And so Sylvie's like, so love is an imaginary dagger? (laughs) He's like, this doesn't make any sense. Doesn't work. And he's like, yeah, I gotta workshop it. So, you know, basically they get caught for being frauds and they literally get, well, he gets thrown off the train and then she jumps after him. And much like Miles Morales accidentally falling on the goober when oh he was gosh. practicing to be Spider-Man, he has landed on the tempad and whoopsie doodle, it is broken. <laughs> so they argue and she screams and she does this like green magic explosion. And, you know, he's like, do you feel better now? And she's like, yeah, you should try it sometime. <laughs> so you can hear a bit of the green magic explosion outside of my apartment as there are fireworks going off every night, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. It's almost the 4th of July. Yep. So he's like, look, yes, that arc, it never makes it off the, in the, in the quote unquote real timeline or whatever. It never makes it off this moon. But what if we, you know, it never had us on it. Yeah. So like their plan is like, let's go see if we can hijack the arc and get it off. Because they can't, they can no longer make a little temporal window and just get out, time space window and get out. So now they have to like actually physically get off the planet. So they're going to hijack the arc. Woo! So they're, you know, so now they have to walk to the arc, which is like a long walk. And <laughs> and so he's he, like, I've never walked this long. It's like uh, when yeah. Janet, when they're going to yes. Mindy's house and Janet's yes. like, walking is boring. <laughs> She's yeah. never had legs before. Well, she's had legs. She just hasn't had to use them that much. She got great yeah, games. That Janet. So, you know, he's like, how does your enchantment work? And she says, I have to make physical contact. And then I grab hold of their mind. And for weak-minded people, which most people are, it's like really easy. It's harder with strong-minded people. You know, I just use people's memories and I create a fantasy. And she says like, yeah, you know, like that Minuteman that I had, you know, I had to like her, her memory was really messed up and I had to like reach way, way back from like hundreds of years before she fought for the TVA. And Loki is like, what did you say? Like, they told me that the timekeepers created everybody in the TVA. And she goes, no, they're all variants. And I was like, whoa! I said the same thing. I was, you know, watching this alone in my apartment and, I, and I'm, you know, she says they're all variants and I go, whoa! like out you know just which kudos to them because it's a great reveal 
Yes. It, it explains a couple of things. I was watching that thing at the beginning being like, how does this woman even know what a bar is? Same. Like, do, they, do they have off time? Like, are when they're not TVA agents, do they have, like, downtime where they can go to a bar? I'm confused by this. And, of course, like, they did not leave that thread hanging because the writers are too good. But also, like, as my, my husband was like, that explains why Mobius is obsessed with jet skis. Same! He, yeah, <laughs> he texted me that, too. He was like, oh, the jet ski. Like, I bet that's from his, his life. life. And I was now, like... No, it doesn't... I would... Well, I was going to say it doesn't explain why his name is Mobius Mobius, but... In fairness, like I don't think any of them have like real names. No, because the the all the Minutemen have like a combination number of letter, letter yeah. and number. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in this, I mean, we will get to it because we have to finish the recap. But like this also opens up. You and I have spent the last couple of episodes talking about the fact that all these Minutemen were being just indiscriminately murdered as like well you know they're not really people they don't really have souls the way that people have souls and like jk yes they do yes they do so although yeah it's i i so i mean it, i think it also answers you know we had this outstanding question of like what happens when you are sentenced by ravana right renslayer oh who yeah i think we now can say is evil <laughs> right because she certainly knows the score like yeah she's she has to right yep so what i you know i had been assuming this whole time that you get sentenced by this judge or whatever and she sentences you she basically sentences you to death right you are a variant and you've stepped off the sacred timeline and now we're gonna kill you but now we realize that probably what they say is well i can kill you or you can come work for us and a sane person goes, okay, I'll work for you, not realizing that this means they're going to have their memories wiped functionally. I mean, it's very uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, right? Wh- where you have the memory, you know, they dig into your memories and they pull people out of it. But then those people or those instances in your life, you keep coming back to them or they keep popping up in different ways because you don't really forget. Like that, I imagine is is what mobius and the jet ski is and like probably right what, right right you know this this woman's experience c20 is the is the minuteman who was uh taken hostage like that's when she so when she says it's real it's real it's real i wonder if you know maybe she's had dreams about her life before and thought it was like some kind of weird i don't know just a dream, just a fantasy world. And then she's realizing, oh my goodness, that that's real. That actually happened to me, you know? Yeah, that's possible. It's a really interesting... Yeah, I wonder if we'll get like a final... That might be something that just kind of you have to... Is, is open to people's interpretation. Yeah. And but like Loki has to tell Sylvie, like, you should know that like they don't know that. <laughs> like yeah. they are not aware that that's their situation. Yeah. Again, I assume Ravana is the exception here. Like, she seems to be fully aware of everything that is going on. Well, she reports and... directly to the timekeepers. Like, how how in the dark can she actually be? I don't think... I she, think you're she, correct. Well, she's, she's doing the sentencing, right? She's the judge. She's doing the sentencing. Yeah. So she has to know. And also, I'm pretty sure she's evil. <laughs> like, pretty sure. I mean, she probably doesn't self-identify as evil. <laughs> but no. She, but she certainly is, you know basically mind wiping people and recruiting them to her tempero fascist society you know without their true consent and it is very messed up yeah yeah so they're running towards the ark 
And you say it looks like Blade Runner Los Angeles. I have no sort of context for that. I'll just it's have to just trust all very you. like neon and sort of alien languages and stuff like that. I mean, in, in Blade Runner, it's a lot of like neon and and all kinds of stuff. So the arc is like parked there like getting ready to go basically and there's just throngs of people and again i'm just sitting there like how expensive was this to make and oh yeah and above like directly above them in the sky is a planet that is coming apart and you know shooting down meteors and stuff like that it it must have been this whole episode must have been so much money just so much money and and Loki and Sylvia are like fighting their way through the crowd, and they you know there's there's weapons and there's these meteors coming down, and they're kind of having to like help each other and like dodge through stuff or whatever, and they're just trying to get to the Ark, and all of a sudden like this giant ass piece of the planet like hits on the Ark and it's just gone, and lo- and a lot of people like the extras or whatever like fall to their knees you know because their last hope is gone everybody's gonna die and loki's just standing there staring at it like come on really <laughs> like yeah I, I you know i know no situation ever gets the best of me what's going on and sylvie just like shakes her head and turns around and walks away and that's the episode i was like wait it's not over and i like sat there like there's gotta be like a post credit like nope this is it until next yep. week baby yep 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 and the ending song is called Dark Moon. And well, that, yeah, that's that's a bit of a hit on the head, huh? Yeah, that's the end of the episode. I thought it was super fun and great and chock full of awesome stuff for us to talk about. I can start with the the song at the beginning because I just mentioned the song at the end. Uh, so the song at the beginning in the bar that's playing is uh, Demons by Haley Kiyoko. And there's a line in it that says please forgive me i've got demons in my head and so they <laughs> very <they> subtle <laughs> very like a just a, a no subtext all text very very subtle but i i didn't know the song before this episode but i kind of liked the i liked the beat and stuff so i was just listening to it later the, and i was like wait the music supervisor whoever the music supervisor is for the show is like incredible like just doing a great all job. hits all hits no misses yeah so yeah that's a very but it's a when you don't know what's going on it just sort of sounds like this is a contemporary song and they're in a bar in like you know 2022 or whatever but when you know more about what's going on you're like ah that's clever like it's a nice little nice little nod yeah but where do you where do you want to start i mean there's just so much uh, I don't know. <laughs> did you have like a, you know, did, did, did you see something that you wanted like in the, in the media roundups that you had wanted to discuss? Um, not, not well. So IndieWire had um, an article where they said TVA. I mean, this is what we were just talking about. TVA employees weren't created by the timekeepers. They're all variants, just like Loki. Here's hoping one of Loki's soul-saving acts includes introducing Mobius to his old forgotten self, freeing him to go and do whatever he damn well pleases. Here, here. And then Den of Geek had another article. Uh, I forget what it was called. Uh, IndieWire's review is called Episode 3 Sees Our Would-Be Heroes Hedonism Go Up in Flames. But Den of Geeks article says, uh, Hiddleston and DiMartino both grip the screen with ease. I do, this is me 
as an aside, I do want to talk a lot about their chemistry because I think it's really great and really interesting. And along with some stunning visuals cloaked in, quote, bisexual lighting, which for those who don't know is the pink and blue together, which is all at the end, you know, that whole fight sequence at the end, all the all the neon is, is pink and blue. A strong mood was definitely set on the beleaguered moon. There was an energy to the episode that kept me longing for scraps of information about Sylvie and hoping that she and Loki could find something real together as two determined independent variants who refuse to do what they're told. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree with that. Like, I, I desperately want to know Sylvie's whole deal. Yeah, let's start like, there. I, so I think what I posited last week is basically correct. Mm-hmm. That she was born a variant and she was hidden by somebody on Asgard, you know, for as long as they could hide her, essentially. And I assume they found her when she was a kid and she magicked her way out of the TVA and was like, yeah, and, and maybe the TVA ended up harming the people who sheltered her. Mm. And she was just like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to take my revenge. Now, I, I'm kind of with Loki that I, I don't it's hard for me to imagine that what she's going to do is go kill the timekeepers and then walk away. Like, yeah. it seems more likely that she would want to destroy the TVA altogether. So she is not... She doesn't... I don't think she believes in a sacred timeline, right? It would be hard for her to believe in something like that, given that she, I think, was born a variant, basically. So, like, she doesn't believe in a sacred timeline. She doesn't She doesn't want to take over the TVA. She doesn't want there to be a TVA. Those are two very different things. Like, Loki saw power and wanted to grab it, whereas Sylvie sees fascism and wants to bring it down. You know... I don't think killing the timekeepers and walking away is sufficient. So I don't know if that's her plan, though. Because, again, we she's pretty tight-lipped about what she exactly wants to do. But I think at a minimum she has to kill the timekeepers. But then she probably also has to do something about Ravana. <laughs> and yeah. maybe try to convince the Minutemen that they are sentient humans. <laughs> Yeah, that's a huge piece of this is like, what happens when, you know, you have some people or or what happens when, if it does get to a point where they announce or they they tell the, the Minutemen that they are all variants and all that kind of stuff, like, there might be a situation where you have some some people who believe, right? Like if C20, the, the Minuteman who was taken hostage, like, I can imagine her being like, oh, it is real. Like, okay, I got it. And uh, that's terrible. And I'm going to like rise up against this system that has unknowingly uh, kept me in bondage this whole time. But you might I mean, have... that's a that's a tall order though, right? Yeah. I mean, it's probably centuries she's yeah. been fighting. Right. And now it turns out she is a thing that she has been taught to fear and hate. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. There there are probably going to be a lot of Minutemen who don't believe it or who are just like, you know, are, are ready to go down with the ship, right? Because they, they, they don't, they either, they've been in the system too long or they don't want to believe it. It's like the Matrix, right? Yeah. Yeah, very much so. And so you might have some sort of like infighting there, which would be kind of interesting. But I'm with you. I don't. I don't believe that Sylvie's whole uh, deal is just that she's going to light a match and then walk away. I don't that because that leaves a power vacuum for somebody like Ravana, 
you know, if if we do believe that she's evil, which I she I has tend, to, be. I tend, I was gonna say, I tend to agree with you. Um, Kate, listener Kate, who also loved this episode, was saying that you know she thinks that this is probably, and we've talked about this a little bit, but she thinks that this is probably the introduction to the multiverse. So like maybe the point... right doctor strange in the multiverse of madness right you, so you, you need a multiverse for there to be a multiverse <laughs> of madness but she she was sort of thinking that maybe the idea was that it's not you know destroy the sacred timeline destroy the timekeepers and walk away but it's more like if you abolish the tva and let all of these multiverses loose right all of these sort of different time streams loose then you have then you make way for the multiverse of madness so yeah i mean i did see like the in the again in the trailer this is such a minor spoiler guys i hope you'll forgive it but in the trailer for the back half of the season i did see or hear sylvie say something like you know the universe wants chaos or time wants chaos something like that like that sylvie has a deep-seated belief that is probably true that you know chaos is innate in the universe and i think that that is actually that's like a true thing in reality yeah. not not in the mcu right like yeah chaos is absolutely uh one of the fundamental elements of our reality yeah and so you know we don't we have no idea about timelines and multiverses. Like we just don't know how that works in our world. If it, if that's how things are or whatever in their world, one of the ways in which chaos manifests itself is by branching timelines that have been like apparently ruthlessly gardened by some space lizards for centuries. And it's going to be really interesting. How many many Minutemen are there? I mean, you think about all those people are variants, like every single one of them. The TVA is this enormous place with how many, you know, thousands of soldiers and all of the people who work there. Like we've seen the inside of the TVA. It's sort of this endless stream of hallways and crazy, you know, like internal logic magic. But like, you know, it does. That was one of the things that hit me when you know, she says they're all variants, like, oh my gosh, then, yeah, you really are, as you were saying, like, sort of ruthlessly pruning, you are, you are putting the, the time, the one timeline, it's almost like a bonsai tree, you're just like, no, I'm gonna keep you super orderly and beautiful, and I'm gonna clip any leaf that gets out of place on you, but really, the tree wants to be a tree with all different kinds of branches and, you know, stuff living in it and whatever. We're not know? being culturally insensitive against bonsai. Bonsai is fine. But trees don't have, you know, tr- I don't think trees have feelings about being bonsai. No. I, <laughs> but I think, people have feelings about having their memories wiped and put into uniform. I think bonsai are beautiful. It's, I think it's an art form. But like... Did you know, I there is a, the National Arboretum down here in like it's I, I don't remember if it's technically in dc or in maryland but it's like right on the border they have an amazing collection of bonsai and one of their bonsai was alive when george washington became president Whoa, i didn't yeah. know that That's bonsai wild. can live a really long time wow but yeah it is just they they have i interrupted you to say all that but but they have been ruthlessly just pruning people off of this one timeline but i think you're right about the chaos Right, that that the that the, the universe wants chaos for some definition of want, and 
you know, I think we're about to get it. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we don't have any idea what this... I, I mean, so I think the the salient questions at this point are kind of like, who's going to survive this, right? Mm. Do we actually expect both Sylvie and Loki to survive this TV show? For me, that's like a giant question mark, right? Like Hiddleston might kind of be done with the character. Maybe. He has said in the past that he felt pretty done and he was pretty happy to, you know, film a death scene or whatever. And then they can came back to him like, hey, do you want to... Do you want a gazillion dollars? <laughs> right. Well, there's that. Um, look, I'm... Make that paper, right? But <laughs> I think he would be pretty satisfied with, you know, this is sort of a swan song for your character. So, but I'm not saying that's necessarily what's going to happen, right? I'm just saying that for both Loki and Sylvie to survive this series, I would be pretty surprised by that. Like, <laughs> that yeah. seems like a tall order for both of them to survive. Yeah. And and what happens to Mobius if he finds out he was actually a person? I mean, maybe he can go live happily that's somewhere. What, that's what I want. That's what I would want. So I think the problem is you have made all of these variants homeless. If you had let the timeline branch, then that variant would never know they were a variant and they would live on their timeline and their timeline would become different from the sacred one and it would be fine. But in point of fact, what happened is Minutemen went in, grabbed the person who stepped off the timeline, you know, brought them back, brainwashed them, turned them into a Minuteman and threw a reset charge behind them. So yeah. the timeline that every timeline that every one of these variants is from is gone. And it's not like you can just drop Mobius into a timeline where his like real self already exists. Side side note, you know, it, it's unclear to you or me or anybody like you know how time moves because you know, the Minuteman whose memories we saw, like, that was the 21st century, <laughs> right? Right, and she said hundreds of years ago. Right. So she got yanked off the sacred timeline in an, uh, in an event that happened. You know, I think it's hard to think about this stuff, but basically in this, in the TVA, from the TVA's perspective, all of time is happening all at once, always, right? Janet's. Okay. And so... They don't, you know, for them, you know, a, a, a variant, a variation occurs, they go in and they prune it, but, and then, you know, you come back to the TVA and then time passes at the TVA, but meanwhile, you know, the, real, the reality and its time, you know, it, again, it, all of time is happening all at once and it is constantly flowing from one moment to the next all at once. So then it means that, all these variants, like, what do you do with them, right? It's, yeah. like, you could take this, you know, these these were human beings with parents and children and spouses and friends and lovers and employers. Like, you can't just, because you can't, you, I mean, you can't put them back, right? There's nowhere there's a, to put them, as you well, said. I'm, but I'm just saying, like, okay, well, so Sylvie did just bomb the sacred timeline. So let's assume that, yeah. you know, we we end up with some like a hundred timelines that they can't prune because they're all past the red line or whatever. Like even in that scenario, over a hundred timelines, like probably all of these people exist in all of them, right? So it's not, you can't just put this woman back. Let's talk, what, what was D20? Was that her designator? C20. The 
C20. Like, you can't take C20 and, like, put her back where she was because she exists. And it's going to be like, oh, there's a duplicate of me. Like, something is deeply wrong, right? Yeah. (laughs) And you can't, and you also can't be like, well, let's just take her and, like, plop her down into, like, medieval times. Because that's not a good bargain for anybody. (laughs) And also it would mess up. She had people she loved. It would mess up medieval times. She's like a, I mean. Well, we're way past that point, though. (laughs) We are way past the point of worrying about messing up the timeline, right? You can't even take that into consideration because it's about to be as messed up as it can be. But if we're just, if we're Loki in the final episode doing compassionate repatriation of these Minutemen, like, where do they go? (laughs) That's a really good question. Because they can't, things cannot continue the way they are. I mean, and again, this is just versions of a conversation that we had about the good place of like, you know, where do all of the people who are in the bad place go? And they don't deserve to be tortured and they don't deserve to be zapped out of existence. But how do they get into the good place or is there even supposed to be an afterlife or we had all of these questions and i think the good place answered it really well by kind of in a way that made me cry myself to death i cried myself to death but they answered it really well in this sort of the the in-universe answer of saying like we will give everyone a chance to get better because that's the that's the message of the show right is that given enough time and support and love and without all the stresses of earth people can improve unless you're brent and (laughs) and then once you are done with this afterlife we will also give you a chance to be eternally at peace past the door and then we cried ourselves to death so i i but i wonder like loki's the the not the character but the show like the message of the show is unclear to me still so it's hard. It doesn't to... like capitalism or climate change. I mean, I, those are same, same. I don't like either of those things either. But, you know, but the message of like what the right thing to do with people who are variants, you know, Loki has not offered, you know, in his conversation with Mobius in the last episode, it's not like he offered an alternative, right? It's not like he was like, oh, you should just let variants do their own thing or you could you know, put them on a special variant timeline or, you know, you could just erase their memories or like, you know, there was no other message about like, what do we do with all these people? We've only seen this system. So it's a little hard knowing that that's where we're going. Yeah. It's a little hard to figure out like what's going to happen to all of these people. I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe uh, I don't, I don't know. It hurts my brain. Same. Like, (laughs) They have, they've plucked these people out of existence, and I don't know if you can repatriate them, which is a terrible thing to I was going to say, that's the bleakest answer, but it yes. is also probably, if you're, if you are Sylvie, and you have been killing Minutemen with abandon at this point, like, she has no compunction about killing, she knows that they are people, and she doesn't try to save yeah, them, she just kills that's- them. That's really interesting. Like, so it it seems like morally bad to do that. Yes. Right? She thinks that they know that they're variants. Does she? But even, well, I mean, Loki tells her that. So it is treated as news to her. Okay. Okay. 
But even so, she can't imagine that they were given a choice. Well, she certainly wasn't given a choice, right? I mean, she's right. been running from them she, her whole life. She must know how they operate. And so, what, is her argument that they should have chosen death? Or is her argument that she doesn't care that they've been brainwashed? Like, it is a very morally different proposition to deal with a brainwashed soldier than it is to deal with a non-brainwashed, as the MCU has told us, right? Yeah, with Bucky um, Barnes, Sebastian Stan, yeah, for sure. Right, Bucky Barnes is not held morally culpable for the things he did while he was brainwashed. I, I, is, I have not watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, but apparently he goes to therapy a lot. Look, (laughs) therapy is not being held morally culpable, nor do I think that somebody should be. If you are legit brainwashed, I mean, like, I I don't want to talk about, you know, child soldiers in real life, but we're talking about a fantasy world in which people have their memories wiped and are basically given a weapon and told to do a job. Like, how can you possibly, you know, it's, you know, to, to make another fantasy like parallel, it's like, you know, the, the stormtroopers, as we learn in the, yes. the sequel trilogy, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. they're taken from their families as children and they are indoctrinated as stormtroopers. And it's like, well, are, I mean, it's even, it, I would argue this is even, I don't know if it's worse, but, but it's even clearer to me in this instance that they're you cannot hold them morally responsible for this because they've had their free will completely robbed you know so and they believe i mean like mobius believes he was created for this purpose and he fully buys into it and he has no problem doing what he does because he believes hook line and sinker that you know I mean, they had, now I sort of understand, having seen this episode, why we got so much exposition in the last episode. Because they, Mm. because this episode is like nonstop action and nonstop, just like a rollicking good time, but also very upsetting in certain ways. Like, but you had to lay that groundwork with him, with Mobius. You had to lay that groundwork to be like, nope, I think this is all fine. And, you know, if Sylvie, like... You were saying Sylvie says the universe wants chaos or breeds chaos or whatever. Like, in the last episode, he he says, like, everything's chaos and in the end there will be order. And that's the way it should be and I'll be fine with it. And if I, you know, and and doesn't Loki say to him, like, well, what happens to you? And he's like, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know, but I'm, I don't spend too much time thinking about it. Like, he's not bothered by the fact that... He he fully believes it, and he fully believes that they are correct, and uh, the timekeepers are correct, and and they're they're doing important work, and he's just a soldier for them. It's another. It's a, again. It's like the Matrix, where in the Matrix, it is considered morally justified to murder any human beings that you meet while you're in the Matrix. Yes, because they could be harboring an agent. Yeah, which. Is already not great. (laughs) And I actually was just, I'm trying, I think I was just listening to, I think it was the Chris Hayes podcast, Why Is This Happening? I think this was the one that he was talking to the woman who runs the ContraPoints YouTube channel, which I have never seen, but apparently it's super popular. And I think, again, I'm couching all this in, I think, because my memory is really quite bad. But I, I think she was saying that she doesn't think it's a coincidence that the Matrix kind of spawned so much bad faith nonsense on the internet like you know like the red pill you know the the masculinity men's rights stuff because 
you know, obviously the matrix is, is a work of art by two trans women who were aiming, I think at least a little bit at a metaphor for their sort of existence. And I think it works on that level. It's one but of the I greatest also... movies of all time, in my opinion. Oh, the first, oh, for sure. Yeah. Not the second two can, you know, <laughs> we don't talk be about forgotten. Them. Quietly we can put forgotten. them on the variant timeline and yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But you know, I think the, the the ContraPoints woman was saying, like, it's not a coincidence that, you know, the Matrix has this philosophy of people who are not, who don't know the truth are expendable. Like, and that, you know, that philosophy kind of, made, you know, it's hard. If, if you're like a younger listener and you were not like a, a, a alive or old enough to have watched The Matrix when it came out in 1999, like, it's hard to overstate how impactful it was. It yeah. was just like enormously, enormously so. And it really did get into a lot of young people's psyches. And so this woman was saying, and I, I think her name is Natalie, was saying that like that attitude of the people who are not awake to the truth are ultimately expendable and can be killed without remorse is a really bad message. Now, yeah. it's a great movie. And I'm not like criticizing the movie, but it is, but this way of this perfectly valid way of interpreting this movie, you know, yields this like terrible message. And Sylvie's whole way of operating in the world is very similar. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't drawn that comparison, but I think that's a perfect comparison. That these Minutemen are not, cannot possibly be considered morally culpable, but they are expendable because... They are basically representatives of this part of a fascist. They're part right. They're part of a fascist system, and so even though they didn't choose to be representatives, you know, you basically mow them down without remorse. And like, I cannot get on that train, right? Like, it seems to me that Sylvie, possessing the magic she does, could have managed to steal all of the equipment she needed with a lot less murder. <laughs> Or use her enchantment abilities to show people the truth about their pasts, right? Like if you are, if you have to dig back in somebody's memory to create an enchantment, like she, she could do that for, for these people. Now at the, at the scale needed, probably not, but you know, wouldn't it be interesting if instead of just blowing everything up, it's like, well, I'm trying to create like, a resistance a resistance or like i don't know basically like an av system strong enough for everybody to hear me (laughs) like in their brains right yeah i'm trying to create a resistance and i'm trying to get all of these timekeepers to join this uprising and, and be part of that and i feel like that would be something that our loki could really get on board with he loves being in charge of people first of all um And he would love to stick it to the timekeepers because he wants, you know, he likes power and he likes toppling people in power. So, like, I I think that could be interesting, but it doesn't seem like that's where this is going. Because I think you're right. Like, she, she as we have seen, has no compunction about using and abusing and murdering all of these people who don't understand who they are within the system just because they are a part of the system. And... You know, maybe that is her, maybe when we see more of her backstory, we will sort of understand that perhaps people in her life who took care of her retreated in the same way, but still it's, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough thing to get behind if you're just going to have 
basically your nominally like your third protagonist of the show if, if we have loki and mobius and then sylvie to basically just be an unrepentant murderer like i think at some point she would have to answer for that right because because loki had to answer for it in the first episode right why do you do yes. this why do you cause so much pain Yes. And he says it is the refuge of the weak. Like, I'm trying to scare people because I am scared myself, basically. And so I wonder if that's going to end up being part of her psychology as well. Because they are kind of the same person. And I think that's a good segue into, are they the same person? Are they siblings? Or are they... I think they're functionally siblings. Yeah. Which is why my husband's uh, analysis (laughs) makes me so uneasy. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Well, I, I thought they were, I loved their chemistry and it was really, I just can't say enough good things. I mean, they're, they're, the banter between the two of them, I just thought was fantastic. And it was sort of what I liked about this episode a lot is, you know, I talked about the, the buddy cop energy between Mobius and Loki in the past couple of episodes that I really like how different they are. They play off of each other really well. But Mobius always has the upper hand mm. because 99% of the time they're in a situation where Loki's magic doesn't work and he also is a newbie who doesn't fully know the ropes and Mobius, it turns out, in fact, nobody knows the ropes. Well, nobody been knows the ropes. That's right. <laughs> but like Mobius knows how the TVA functions. He knows, you know, like he's the one, he's the teacher. And he's also the one who kind of like calls Loki on his bullshit. Like we saw that a lot last episode where he was like, yeah, he's lying. Don't listen to him. Like, and in the first episode, using that collar to like call him back and just being like, you know, you can't get out of here. Like I own you basically and you can help me or not, but you know, you are beholden to me. And so I really like their chemistry, but they're very uneven in terms of their power dynamic. And here, what I loved is that Loki gets to be more of himself in this episode because he is basically talking to himself the whole time. He is talking to a version of himself who is, has the same kind of mind and has the same sort of quick-wittedness and they always are trying to get one up on the other one and they never can do it because they are basically the same so you get to see a lot more of like loki as a the you know the fun version of the trickster or the the hedonist or you know the person who is going to have these like really fun conversations with you and do fun magic and things like that because you know, she brings that out in him because they're basically two sides of the same coin. So I thought that was really great because that was, you know, a very different dynamic than what we've seen in the past couple episodes. Oh, absolutely. Like she, she was such a breath of, like, I just loved every minute she was on screen. I loved every minute they were talking to each other. Like from the last episode, the, the dialogue she was giving the people she was like soul projecting into i i was like i don't know about her you know like yeah she seems like just kind of like a real downer but but then actually getting to know her at, you know in her real form like i was like oh she's great i love her i hope she sticks around yeah same <laughs> i mean I, I she's fantastic and i'd really be interested to see her interacting with mobius <laughs> because I'd like to see her interacting with Thor. Are you kidding me? Oh, yes. Oh, my <laughs> God. Because is there a version of Thor who knows her? Great question. No idea. Because she's mean, Asgardian, right? Or Yes. Well, I assume that timeline is gone, though, you know? 
Is there an Asgard still in her timeline, do you think? Well, you're assuming that her timeline wasn't pruned. Yeah, I am. I I, th- I suspect it was pruned. I suspect that she is just as homeless as the rest of them. Hmm. Yeah, it's not great. I don't like that. <laughs> There's a, it's just, I mean, what the, what the timekeepers have been doing is creating a lot of misery. I, I will say that, like, if it's true, if it's true that having a bunch of timelines, you know, creates chaos and war or whatever, then, like, I don't know ethically what you're supposed to do. Right? Mm. Like, what is the right answer? Is it just to pluck variants off the timeline and then kind of let them be in heaven functionally? Like, outside of reality? You know, like, here's just a place where you can just kind of, you start over, you know, and yes, I'm sorry that you had to leave everybody behind. But, that you know, for a lot of people, that would be intolerable. Right? Yeah. I mean, heaven without the people that you left behind is not, in fact, heaven. I, I also think, yeah, I mean, we had that conversation too, but with the good place. But yes. I, also, I also think that, like, you know, the the description that Miss Minutes gives, and I just want to give a shout out to Me- listener Meg, works in visual effects and doesn't work there anymore, but knows people who worked on miss minutes for this show because she used to oh, work nice. at that studio so you know the 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 explanation that miss minutes gives about like what can create a nexus event sort of seems like literally anything yes can do it so like yes. it's like maybe you started a revolution or maybe you missed the bus right or like maybe yes. you were late to work and like yes, yes yes those two things and the order of magnitude of those two things are so different you know, I, I there's almost a version of me that understands, and, you know, and even as I'm saying it, I'm like, no, I don't really understand it because, you know, think about how many revolutions we've had in our own, you know, the American Revolution, right, would be would be maybe seen as a, a nexus event, but we got our country out of it, right? Whereas, like, you know, somebody's late for the bus, like, how could that possibly lead to like a war on a different planet like it just seems to me that oh well i don't mean that it leads to intra timeline war i mean it leads to inter timeline war okay uh-huh so if it's true what they t- and maybe look maybe the whole thing is a lie like certainly you know this thing becomes a lot less thorny if it turns out like Oh, no, like, we can have multiple timelines and it's cool. Everybody can get along. But I don't think that would be the case because I, I do think there is a, to your point, what are you supposed to do if one option is, okay, we ruthlessly guard this one timeline and we have to be, like, really exacting and really, um, you know... Ruthless. Merciless, yes. But it's for the good of the people who get to live and and be okay. And and we're making that choice because it's the least bad choice of all these other choices. Because in these other choices, there's too much chaos and there's all this war and fighting and poverty and da-da-da-da-da. Like, yeah, what are you supposed to do? Like, maybe the timekeepers are like, are, are saying, like, we did what we thought was the right thing. Because... In fact, I'm pretty sure that's the exact speech that Ravana Renslayer is going to give, if I had to guess. Probably, because you're right. Like, what? I mean, similarly to what do you do with all of those variants, like, there's a bigger question of, like, what do you do 
if you it's the trolley problem really like if mm. you if you know that you can save dozens of timelines from in, inter timeline war right by ruthlessly picking off a few thousand people from this one timeline then maybe that is the trolley problem answer that they chose right it is a big and i this is what we can wrap up on maybe like it is a big open question to me whether the people who got this all started were genuinely acting out of a sense of humanitarian compassion and just doing the sort of cold logical thing that we kind of shrink back from but actually in like a greatest happiness sense is in fact the right thing to do or if the people in charge are like just kind of plainly evil and seized power for the sake of seizing power right because being the one to decide how reality goes there's only one reality and i decide exactly how time flows i have a i have my pick of billions trillions of realities and the one that i like is this one here and i'm going to say that that's the sacred timeline and you know and maybe this benefits me in some way or maybe it's just the one that you know if i maybe i'm from a species where that's where my species you know comes out on top or whatever who knows right like that's to my mind that's an equal possibility now it's a little bit I think the show is more interesting if it genuinely has to grapple with an ethical question. I think yeah. the show is more interesting if it's like, look, we were doing this out of a sense of trying to reduce like conflict and bloodshed. And like you weren't around for the multiverse and you don't know what it was like. It was horrible. You know, yeah. it was just constant, constant war. And, and we've, we've, uh, we've made peace because there is nobody to fight right like that to me that's a more interesting storyline but i think just as just as equally likely and and certainly easier to write is like uh just kidding like timelines didn't fight each other like we just wanted power and control yeah i mean i hope they go the first way because it's very much i just watched again recently a few good men one of my favorite movies and it it is very much the like you can't handle the truth answer right where like yes this one guy died but his death probably i mean that guy is colonel nathan jessup is a terrible human being right but in his mind the calculus of one the life of one substandard marine is worth you know is is worth it because it probably saves lives in his estimation and he has a whole speech about it right like you know Who's going to do it? Like, you know, I'm, I have this job and I have you, a great- Lieutenant Weinberg. Yes, I was thinking of that. But Just he the says, great I anti-Semitic ha- moment of that yes. movie. But he says, I have a greater, greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. And like, do I think that's a little extra for someone who is a, like a lieutenant colonel in the military? Yes. Do I think it's on par with something that a timekeeper would say? Sure. You know, this is my responsibility and this is greater than you can fathom. And if we have to sacrifice some variance along the way, then so be it. But I'm not. I mean, it's very thanos So It's very thanos right? Like It is. Thanos had a allegedly- Maybe that's why they were cool now, with that happening on the sacred timeline. <laughs> right. Now, with Thanos, I mean, his plan was always real, real dumb. Right? Like, Super dumb. Like- 
it was so dumb on so many levels and it's just like if you have a magic thing that lets you do anything then like make it so there's infinite resources like what are you doing what are you talking about like why is your solution to you know murder the demand side instead of fixing the supply side (laughs) it's just stupid but you know this is sort of a more interesting version of that problem because you know it's happening in this sort of like extra dimensional like outside of reality way that is you know seems like it could be a like a very real question a very real problem mm-hmm. i agree it, and i think that's that's what's i think that's where we should wrap up for the evening yeah i agree and um i can't wait for next week because we're gonna hopefully get another banger of an episode <laughs> yeah oh it's gotta be it's gotta be they've set the bar so high this is such a good show it's a great episode. Um, do we have any listener emails or are we? I do not. Okay. I am fresh out of listener email. Okay. Well, if you if you want to email us about your thoughts about any of what we've discussed, I would love to hear other people, what other people think is going to happen to all the variants and the different timelines and uh, Sylvie and all that kind of stuff. I'd love to hear from all the of good you. play pod at gmail.com. Yes. We will check it. We promise. All righty. <laughs> uh, until next time, take the free champagne. Yeah, I mean, if they're offering it, definitely yeah. do that. <laughs> we'll see you next time, Ding Dong.